Good evening, church family. How are we on this beautiful Sunday night? Everybody doing good? Amen. All right. Now, the coffee bar sure is a lot of fun, isn't it? But the sanctuary is even more fun. So let's make our way into the sanctuary tonight. Praise God. Amen. I think I've got a battery in backwards or something. I'll figure it out. All right. Praise the Lord. It is great to see everybody who had a good time with Brother Julius Marar this morning. Hallelujah. We had an awesome service. I encourage you, if you weren't here, to go ahead and uh, come on and uh, look at the, the live stream from this morning on Facebook or YouTube and uh, check out that message. It was a powerful time together. And uh, I just, it was a, awesome, awesome to have them here with us. We're going to have a good time in the Word of God tonight. You picked a great night to be in the house of the Lord because every night is a good night to be at church. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Who believes that America is coming to Jesus? Amen. Yeah, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we know that we can have whatsoever we say. So let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church and school and every town, city and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus name. Amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight and you may be seated. All right. We got a few announcements to go over here real quick. And uh, then we'll get on into some praise and worship. But man, we've got a lot going on. We are right here just a couple weeks out from Easter. And so we are going to celebrate real big this year that Jesus is alive. Amen. All right, let's go over a few things here. Uh, First of all, want to let you know, when you drove in, you probably saw that our uh, our modular, our mobile home that's so kindly been with us for 700 years was collapsed. Uh, We tore it down. It was intentional. We tore it down. And so... A lot of it has been thrown into the giant dumpster and the rest should be taken care of by the end of this week. So it's all a good news. It's a testimony, but, um, we're asking that you keep your kids and stuff away from there. We know it's always neat to go look at a wreck, but don't do that. Ignore the urge to go stare at the wreck out there and uh, keep your kids away and we'll get it hauled off really, really quick. But, uh, we are very happy about that being torn down. All right. Now for some even more exciting news, we have been doing since March of 2020, a Zoom Bible study night, and not many people know about it. It is the best kept secret of High Desert Word Center, believe it or not. And so we want to start pumping this up and letting you know about it because there is such a hunger for the Word of God in our church. More people want every chance they can get to uh, study the Bible and get together. So we're going to start promoting this a little bit more, but it is on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at 6.30. Miss Rosalinda Palakiko has been uh, one of the main leaders and so has uh, Betty Jackson and uh, she um, 
Rosalinda is going to be texting out a link uh, uh, from the church software to everybody uh, either Monday or Tuesday so you know the information and uh, and you can join in on it on Tuesday night. We've got people from other states that join us in there and we dis- they discuss the Sunday sermons and that's kind of the material they go over for some deeper study. So anyway, highly encourage you to join in on that. It is going to be fantastic. All right. And then this coming Saturday is men's meeting. Uh, April the 1st at 9 a.m. Men, who's going to be there for us? I love you, Raymond. And Eli. Okay, I got two of the boys. All right, very good. Hey, that's all we need. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. Amen? All right. So well, the three of us are going to have the time of our life. But, oh, oh pastor made it four. Let's go. Uh, Chris, we got five. We got five. Anybody? Do I hear six? Can I get a six? There we got a six. All right. Seven, seven. Do I hear seven? I got seven. All right, all right. Anyone else? There we go. We got eight, everybody. Let's go. Okay. You know, it's all good. It's good. All right. So uh, just keep, whenever you think of the men's meeting, three words, breakfast, Bibles, and bros. That's all you need to know. Okay. Keep that in mind and never forget it. All right. Then next Sunday is Palm Sunday, everybody. And uh, we're just, I just want everybody to keep that in mind that that is the start of what we would call Holy Week, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And uh, it was, uh, it was just a few days after that, that we have Good Friday when Jesus died. And then the greatest day in the history of the world, when Jesus resurrected on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday. And speaking of Easter Sunday, that's going to be Sunday. April the 9th, and we have invitations, all right? We got 300 printed. We aren't afraid to print more, but uh, everybody in here needs an invitation. If you didn't get one this morning, raise your hand. Robert's going to give you one right now because everybody that's a part of this family should invite somebody to church to celebrate the greatest day in history. Come on. Everybody needs to find somebody to invite on Easter Sunday, and we've made it so easy. All you got to do, man, is just hand them this, all right, and say, hey, join me for church uh, on Easter. The kids are doing a musical performance. Uh, of course, uh, there's going to be a family photo booth like we've done the past several years. And there's going to be a huge Easter egg hunt with a couple thousand eggs right out there, right after the service. And uh, we have all the, the eggs we need, but we do need more candy. So keep bringing in that individually wrapped hard candy. And uh, we want to fill every egg with some candy and a scripture and get the good news out to all these kids. Amen. What an awesome, awesome opportunity to spread the gospel. All right. Well, I think that's all the announcements we have. I'm going to have pastor come on up for our Sunday night tithes and offerings. Amen. And the April devotional is available on the info booth. And so uh, you can grab that on your way out tonight and we'll get that posted online here this week too. So you can follow along. Amen. All right. Uh, what time is it? Happy time. All right, hold up your hands in the envelope for your tithes or your offerings. And I, I, I got to get into a serious boat. We was with uh, Bishop Julius, Julius and uh, Ruth all afternoon. Man, we heard Indian jokes up one side and down the other. I tell you, that, that, that's, that's one race that don't mind telling jokes about themselves. Man, I found out so much about 7-Eleven stores and who runs them and Super Ace and who runs them. and Woo! It was, it was a fun time this afternoon. We had a lot of serious stuff too. It was, it was good, but uh, glory to God. How many like to fellowship with brethren of like precious faith? It was so nice. All right. Open up your Bibles. Look at Mark chapter four. 
Mark chapter 4, look at verse 26. I'm going to read verse 26 through 29. How many like to learn more about how things work in the realm of the Spirit concerning your money? Amen. You know, God's, God's the one that made seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping, planting, getting the harvest, getting the crop. And we always talk about our, our, our money that we're planting seed. How many, how many know the Bible talks about planting that seed? All right. Well, I like it when Jesus is one that explains to me what happens. And, of course, this works for the, the Word of God or for anything else that you sow, you reap. But specifically, applying this to your finances. So he said, so is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, this is how it works in the kingdom of God. This is how it works in the realm of the Spirit. As if a man should cast seed or plant seed into the ground. How many here have ever planted anything into the ground? Jamie, did you ever plant anything? Oh, he tried. (laughs) Well, out here in California desert, I tried too. Back back in Indiana, I tried and I succeeded. But let's just act like this is someplace besides the desert. All right. So as the kingdom of God, as if a man should plant seed to the ground, and then should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put through the sickle, because the what word, what's that word say? Harvest. We talk about harvest, because the harvest has come. And so what he's saying is this, and I know this from experience when I successfully planted some things where the ground and everything really cooperated and it worked like it was supposed to. I've had some success in California, but I had to have, I had to have some artificial environment, which was called I had to water it here myself. But in other places where you have rain that comes down and you've got dirt, all you have to do is put the seed in the dirt and it says he knoweth not how. I don't know what exactly happened scientifically, but I just know this. If you got seed and you got dirt and you've got water source and water comes in, it starts growing under the ground. And it grows under the ground for a while and you don't even know anything's happening. And sometimes you think nothing's happening. And you want to go dig it back up. You want to look at something, see if it's really working. But it says here that when you plant in the ground, you go to sleep. And you sleep and get up night and day. You go to bed, you get up, and all the time you're going to bed and sleeping, the seed's doing something. You can't see it. It's growing. And then all of a sudden one day you see some little green something coming up out of the dirt because something happened under the ground. And somebody asks you how you did it. You say, man, I don't know. I just put it in the ground. There it is. Well, that's how it works for your money and for your finances. You plant in the kingdom of God, and you go to sleep. You don't worry about it. And in the natural, if you go out and dig up the seed, you stop the process. There's only one way you dig up your seed in the realm of the Spirit, but you plant financially. Well, I guess it's not working. Well, you have what you say. You get those words going out there, you say, I'm going to pull this up because it's not working. What's the use? But it says, if you let the process carry through, say there will come a day, you take out the sickle and 
you know, maybe people, I didn't know much what the sickle was, but I was a boy. Uh, my mom and dad made us use a sickle, and I didn't like doing it. When stuff's growing, we had this big stick with a sharp blade on the end of it. There were so little things you put in your hand was a was a, a little wooden handle that had a sharp blade on it. Had a sickle, what you whack it with. And so I hated that with the humidity out in Indiana to get that sickle out of that long stick and just wake it back and forth, chopping those leaves off and making things happen. It was work, but it was called harvest. And so he said immediately, when this thing's grown up and harvest time comes, it's harvest. And so there comes a point in time in the realm of the Spirit when you're planting things and you, and you water it, I said, thank you, Jesus, the word works. Thank you, Jesus, I've got seed in the ground. Thank you, Lord, I sold money for that car, and I just want to thank you, Jesus. I reap what I sow. I sold into that, Lord. I sold into that building project for the church. I remember we was doing this roof. We was doing this roof, and I, I think I sold maybe $1,000 into this roof project. Well, I got about a $5,000 roof out of it. Hey, man, I didn't have to pay for it. You know why? It was called Harvest. And so that's something you don't take lightly. You know, people get around people like us. There's a man, I got a harvest coming. They think it's a joke. It's not a joke. It's real. Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God works. As if a man should plant seed and goes to bed, sleeps, gets up, and it's working. He knows not how. And so glory to God. I know how. I know how. I plant it. I give like I gave you the offering this morning. I just praise Jesus. Thank him. I help support missions. And according to Philippians chapter 4, he said that if you support missionaries, he supplies all of your need. According to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever I'm standing on the word for things, I, I always mind the Lord. Lord, I support missions. I just want to thank you. All of our needs are met. Amen. Good preaching. Amen. That is how it works. Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And we'll bring our tithes, our offerings, our seed to the altar. And then we'll be worshiping Jesus together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take care of my family, give just in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want, you can join us up front and let's worship the Lord together. We have been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. It's only by His grace we stand. Once bound by sin and shame, now slaves to righteousness. Our faith perfected by His love. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated. His blood, and now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. While we were weak, He died, made 
making us justify our faith in Sorry. Even in our fading flesh, our only hope and rest is found in faith that Jesus saves. Praise, praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. Exalted Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In the glory of us again. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. Our hope of joy to sing about the love that he poured out forever lifted high our Savior Jesus Christ the gift of God given in love praise the Savior praise the Savior he has won our sin defeated through his blood and now exalted Jesus reigns. Hail the King. Praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. sing about the love that he poured out forever lifted high our Savior Jesus Christ the gift of God given in love praise the Savior he has won our sin defeated through his blood and now exalted Jesus reigns. I hear the King praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God.
Of your 
think that everybody knows that, but you've got to realize the power that is available in the name of Jesus. I got a hold of that at an early age, and I can think back to every rough spot I've ever found myself in. If I didn't know what else to say, I could simply say the name Jesus and something happened. And that I just, parents, we got to teach our kids that, you know, uh, if, if nothing else, they got to start to know the power that's available in the name of Jesus. You've got to honor that name. You've got to respect that name. It's, it's, it's the name above every name. <laughs> Amen. He's the name above all names. And uh, there's just something that happens when we speak the name of Jesus out. I know in my life as a born-again Christian, when I speak that name, I feel the peace of God and I, the presence of God and the anointing of God and the power of God. And I know for someone that's full of the devil, it tears them apart. I had a guy one time call me a couple years ago and said, I can't come to your church because I love it so much. But when you you guys say the name of Jesus all the time, and something on the inside of me just starts to fight. And anyway, long story short, I won't go into it. The man was demon-possessed, and I cast the devil out of him that day. But it was a crazy thing. The devil hates the name of Jesus. But Christians, we love the name of Jesus so much. It's everything to us. And so I want to, uh, Josh, I know this is impromptu. Can you sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus Because He First Loved Me? This is an old hymn, you know, super old. And a lot of you that grew up in church maybe know it. Very simple, just a few words to it. I'm throwing Josh on the spot here. But let's sing just a few lines together of, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Can we do that? Oh, how I
that we have access to the name of Jesus. You said that we could go in your name and we could lay hands on the sick. We could cast out devils. Lord, we could, we could take the gospel all over this world in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would get that revelation of the power of your name, the beauty of your name, Lord. May we never disrespect it. May we never take it in vain. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are always with us. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise together tonight? Amen. All right. Well, you can make your way to your seats there. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night? There's no place else better you could be tonight. You know that, right? I mean, you made the absolute best choice. There's no other option but to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God. Amen. Well, we're going to have a phenomenal time. And again, who was with us this morning when we uh, got to have Julius Marar with us from India? Amen. And uh, he brought a great word, and uh, I just love having him here with us. He is incredible. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to kind of tag on to something I did on... Uh, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday we talked about Psalm 23, how the Lord is my shepherd, and I love the 23rd Psalm. Uh, it is, I mean, that's just one of the one of my favorite chapters of the entire Bible. And uh, again, it's probably the most famous chapter in the entire Bible, and uh, and there's a good reason for it. Um, and so on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, you could go back and, you know, watch it or listen to the podcast. But we kind of discussed uh, how David said in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and he went into all that. And then in the New Testament, in John chapter 10, Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I am the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. And we got to compare and contrast uh, the different uh, things that David said in the Old Testament to what Jesus said in the New Testament, because you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. And so it's incredible when you see the parallels between uh, these two passages of Psalm 23 and John chapter 10. But I want to open up tonight and read the entire thing of, of Psalm 23. It's only six verses, but I love it. It is incredible. And we're going to read it in the King James because it's so beautiful and poetic. And uh, I know that, uh, sometimes some of the King James words are a little bit difficult to understand for our modern vernacular. But I still love uh, the way a lot of it sounds and uh, and the beauty of it. And so we're going to look at Psalm 23. Who loves Psalm 23? I love it. And so let's take a look here. Psalm 23. I'm going to read it in the King James right here. King David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, you know, when we say I shall not want, that's kind of not a phrase we would use in modern English. But but really that means I have everything that I need. And so when I say the Lord is my shepherd, that is an all-inclusive statement. That's saying, hey, don't feel bad for me. I've got everything that I need right there. What more could I want? What more could I need if the Lord is my shepherd? And so verse 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, there's, I, I read those verses and I just feel the peace of God come all over me. And the reason for that, you know, we told a story on Wednesday night. I don't want to tell it again, but when the Lord really is your shepherd, this does something to you. It means something. For some people, they're like, yes, I can quote the 23rd Psalm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And, and it's not just one of those things for us. It's not just some passage of the Bible, when the Lord really is your shepherd, your heart leaps for joy when you read this. You feel the peace of God saturate your entire being when you read this and when you speak it out. And so if you've ever wanted to, you know, memorize a chapter of the Bible or have your kids memorize one, I would say this would be an excellent one for you and your family to memorize together. It's not that hard and it would absolutely be something that you have in your heart for the rest of your life. Amen. All right. Well, who's excited to kind of dig into this a little bit tonight? All right. So the other night we talked about some things that the good shepherd will do in your life. And tonight we're going to talk about three more. And so I want to get into this. Um, these are things that the good shepherd will do in your life. Number one, a good shepherd leads. A good shepherd leads you. And that's really important uh, because I found out that I'm not the best at leading myself sometimes, right? And I found out that, you know, on my own, I have no idea what I'm doing and where I'm going. I need a shepherd. And it's funny that people, they make fun of sheep a lot, like they're, you know, just the dumbest animals in the world. They're really not. They're actually a little bit more on the intelligent side. But I can tell you this much, that I'm not afraid to say that I am a sheep that needs a shepherd. I would be completely lost without him. And one of the things that we saw the other night, according to John 10, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so if you're going to be a sheep and Jesus is going to be your shepherd, we have to learn how to know the voice of God. And I remember I read an article several years ago about uh, this these shepherds, I think it was in Palestine, and, and there was kind of a debate going on that the sheep, they only, they know the shepherd because of the way that he looks. They follow him around because they recognize him visually. And so these guys, kind of, this is a true story, they, they kind of, you know, to settle this debate, they had one guy come in and totally switch clothing with the regular shepherd. And he looked just like him, the same outfit and everything. And, and so he goes out there and, and calls the sheep and they don't come. And they're like, wait, what a minute. Well, what's going on? Well, then the real shepherd, he was kind of hidden behind some bushes or something. They couldn't see him at all, but he started calling them. And, and so many of these shepherds over there, they named their sheep and they know each sheep by name. And that's what Jesus said. He's like, I, I know them by name. And so the real shepherd, though the sheep couldn't see him, he was hiding. He called their name and one by one, they started going to the real shepherd and it blew everyone's mind. And it proved this point that the sheep 
know the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus said, a stranger they will not follow. And so I don't know the Lord so well because I know what he looks like because I don't. I mean, you know, my best guess is all the pictures we see are nice and accurate. You know, a man with a beard and long hair and sandals and a nice robe. You know, I guess so. But I I can't prove that. I've never seen him. And I've certainly never seen God the Father because we saw a few weeks ago you would die if you saw the face of God Almighty. Your body couldn't handle it. You would just die. But I don't know the Lord so well because I just know what he looks like. No, we know him by his voice. And, and so it says that, that he will lead us and it's up to us to get familiar with learning his voice. And you're going to learn that through reading the Bible, you know, certainly because that's the word of God. You're going to know it by talking to him. But you as the sheep need to get super familiar with knowing how to hear the voice of God. And so we're in Psalm 23. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. Now I'm going to switch to the New King James. So Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And I'm just the kind of guy that I can picture that. I envision myself laying down in the green pastures, listening to Jesus beside the still waters. But but look, it says it right here. He what does he do? He leads me. Say he leads me beside the still waters. He doesn't force you over there and kick you into submission. He doesn't know. He leads you beside the still waters. Verse three, he restores my soul. And then what's next? He leads me. Say he leads me. And the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And so we've got two times right there in the first couple of verses that it says, the shepherd leads the sheep. And why is it that we need to be led? Well, one reason is the shepherd sees and knows things that the sheep don't know. He sees things and he knows things that you don't have a clue about. And oftentimes, the directions the Lord gives us don't make much sense. You ever had that happen? Where you just, you feel it in your heart, but in your mind, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, we want to go, and He's saying, no, stay. We want to stay, and He's saying, no, go. Well, why is that? Why, Why is it that sometimes He's telling us something, and we're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not what I'm seeing. Well, you need to know that he sees the wolf up the road that's hiding behind the bushes ready to strike you, right? He sees it. And I've used this example, but, you know, I just think about taking a journey down the road, taking a good road trip or something. Well, I've taken road trips and uh, in cars, you know, in a, in a small car. Well, in a car, you can see from about this level, right? I can't even, I mean, that even adjusted the way that I'm seeing some of you guys right now. And so you can't see very well. You can only see a little bit down the road. Well, then I've taken some other trips in a semi, like when my dad was a truck driver. We, we'd go over the road and you it would shock you if you've never been in something like a semi, that the difference in the view is absolutely incredible, you can see a whole lot further down the road in something like a semi. And then, like so many of you, 
On top of that, I've flown in airplanes. And in an airplane, you can see a couple hundred. I don't even know how far you can see. But you can see really far. And then God Almighty, Jesus, sits at the right hand of God in heaven. What do you think His viewpoint is compared to yours? I mean, my goodness. He, you, you, you cannot even see what's going to happen five minutes from now. He knows what's going to happen 500 years from now. You have no idea. But he sees things that you could never see. Why would you not want to listen to him when he's warning you about something? When he's saying, danger, go the other way. I see something. Well, what is it? I don't see it. It doesn't matter if you see it. Listen to the voice of the shepherd and it will keep you out of a whole bunch of trouble. There's a guy I went to Rama with. He ended up working for Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and I've shared this story, but, um, so he was, it was our first year of school at Rama, and he was telling his story of, of how he ended up being in Bible college. And it's a crazy story, but he graduated from a, a nice university, got a, a degree in finance and accounting, and he had somehow landed his dream job that he was so excited about. And a, a, as the time was approaching to, to start this job, Job, he kept feeling in his heart like, don't go, no, deny it, turn it down, I have a calling for you to go to Bible college. And he's like, I don't see that, I, no, <laughs> no, I can't. And so he kept fighting, wrestling with God on the inside, and, and, and he, I mean, his dream job. And so finally he's like, you know what, I submit. I surrender, I will leave this whole thing I've worked my entire life for behind and I'll go your way. There's not a lot of people that would do that, especially when there's a lot of money involved. People have a really hard time listening to the voice of God when it means turning down money. But this guy turned down the job and started school at Rama September of 2001. And the job he turned down was in World Trade Center Tower Number 2. And he was to start the first week of September 2001. And his family was like, you're a nut. You're turning this down to go study the Bible? No one got it. But the good shepherd saw it. Now, how many people have something bad happen in their life? Well, if he's a good shepherd, then why in the world did this happen in my life? The good shepherd tried to warn you time and time again. And you basically said, shut up. I don't see it. That's not how I see it. No, I've, I've, I've got it planned out. I know what I'm doing. Many times. You know, I don't know everybody's life, but I know this much. A whole lot of times when people say, where was God? If he's so good, why did he let this happen to me? And the answer is he tried to stop you, but he's not going to physically come down here and handcuff you and and, and tie you up and not let you go do something dumb. But he is going to speak to you. And if the sheep know the voice, they will listen and it will keep us from so much trouble. Amen. He is a good God. He is a good shepherd. And He only wants the best for us. Another thing about why we need the shepherd to lead us is because the shepherd goes ahead of us to smooth out the path. To smooth out the path. I grew up in the woods and so we would go hiking and, and you know, Josh and I especially, we played in the woods 
all day long, man. We had some Red Ryder BB guns, and all we would take out there sun sunrise, and we'd come back home after sunset. We were in the woods all day long. But if you've been in the woods very much, it's nice to, you know, if you've got someone in front of you, they can clear out the path. If there's rocks, they can kick them out of the way. If there's branches, they can trim them off. But what's really bad is if you've got someone clumsy in front of you, and they just let the branch smack you in the face. <laughs> I you know that's no fun. And I, hey, I've been on the receiving end many times. But the good shepherd, he goes ahead of us to smooth out the path. And when we allow him to do his job, really, the way before us does not have to be rocky and rugged and rough and misery. And I want to show you something in Isaiah chapter 26 that tells us what the Lord wants to do for us. So let's go to Isaiah 26 and verse 7. Amen. Are you with me tonight? Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 7. Now check this out. And you need to know that Isaiah 26 is a really, really good chapter of the Bible too. Uh, Another one of my favorites. Top 10. Easily. Top 10. (laughs) Isaiah 26 and verse 7. It says... But for those who are righteous, is there anyone here tonight that's righteous? You can raise your hand. If you're, if you're saved, if you're born again, you're righteous, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now your holiness, that's another thing. We could discuss that in another night. But, amen. The righteousness, you know, Jesus took care of that for you. You living a holy life, well, you have a massive role in doing that. But anyway. But for those who are righteous, the way is not Steep and rough. Wait a minute. Oh, I, I thought that the way was steep and rough, brother. Well, for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Isn't that good? He smooths out the path ahead of us. Now notice a correlation to Psalm 23 verse 3. It says that he leads us in the paths of righteousness. And then in Isaiah 26, 7, it says, for those who are righteous. And so there's a connection here for righteous people. They have a shepherd who will smooth out the path ahead of them and who will lead them on the right path. And now I'm going to tell you this. If you're not going down a righteous path, don't expect God to smooth it out. You don't have any promises there. Well, I'm just going to go down this way because blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. I mean, you have that right. You've got every right in the world to do that. But don't don't expect God to smooth it out before you. You are on your own if you're going down a path that is not righteous. And you need to know that he will never lead you to something that is not holy and righteous. Who knows that? God won't lead you to do something that isn't holy, that isn't righteous, and He will never tempt you with something. And so I've had people tell me that God was leading them to date someone that wasn't even a Christian. No, no, that's not the good shepherd I know. That's not righteous. That's not holy. Or that God was leading them to a job that was going to pull them out of church and away from their family. Nope. That's not the good shepherd. He wouldn't do that. If it's not leading you in a path of righteousness... It's not of God. And I got to tell you, and you know this, that we're in the end times. Who knows that? 
And I believe that right now we're experiencing a little bit of a of a, a, a lull. And I, I've said this since March of 2020 that we we see a big spike in craziness, and everyone flocks back into church. And Pastor Dave, what's that Bible verse? Is it Luke 19 or is it Matthew 24? Well, it's Matthew 24. And so you know we we go through all this, and then the world's going crazy. Russia's invading, and China's saying, "I'm going to blow you up," and, and all this. And then people get scared out of their wits, and then things calm down. And then we don't see them anymore. And then things get crazy again. And then it calms down. And then blah, 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 blah. And then things calm down. And I think we're kind of in one of those, well, you know, depending how you look at it, calm moments. But mark my words, something crazy is going to happen within the next couple of months. The lukewarmers are going to get scared. You know, the half-bakes are going to say, what do I do? And we're going to all say, come back in. The, you know, the house is still here. Nothing's changed. We're ready for you. The Bibles are here. You know what I mean? The stable people got this. But everyone else is going nuts. Why is that? Well, listen, you need right now more than ever. And there's danger in the calm sometimes because people that don't take God seriously, they 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 relax, they let down their guard, and then something bad happens. And and so I one of my favorite pastors, Gerald Brooks, out of Plano, Texas, but we were talking about COVID one day and it was just shocking, you know, what what people acted like and everything. And some people, you know, just quit coming to church altogether. And, and some people, you know, got more serious. And he made a phrase that stuck with me for three years. He said, COVID didn't change people's, you know, motives about God. COVID revealed their motives about God. You know, people that are lukewarm, they, you know, they, they're just, you know, what they're doing what they've always done. And, and, and it didn't change how people approach their relationship for most people. It just revealed that they didn't really take it that serious, right? And so that's something to think about, but we are no doubt about it in the end times. You can't afford to be going down your own path away from the shepherd. Even if you don't see any immediate danger, stick with him. Don't wander away. And so we're talking about he leads us. And a couple of things, you know, about knowing the voice of the shepherd is that, yeah, his voice always lines up with his word. Never going to, you know, you're never going to find a time where God's telling you to do something that is not in line with the Bible. That wouldn't be God. That would make him a liar. And then Another thing I've noticed about the voice of God is it's usually not the loudest voice out there. You've usually got a bunch of louder voices trying to scream at you and tell you what to do. But if you know his voice, you can tune all those out and listen in. And, you know, there's been study after study that have proven that not only moms, but also dads can, in a room full of screaming, crying children, they can distinctly pick out which one of those cries is the voice of their child. And in this world, when there's all these voices and they're all blaring and telling, you need to do this, you got to do that. And no, if you know the voice of the shepherd, even throughout all those voices, if you know his voice, you can pick his voice out of the entire crowd. Isn't that an incredible gift to be able to have? His sheep know his voice. Let's go on to number two here. So we're talking about a good shepherd leads. And then number two, a good shepherd comforts. A good shepherd comforts. Have you ever needed to be comforted by the good shepherd? We all have at different times. 
He needed to be comforted by the good shepherd. So Psalm 23 and verse 4, you might as well just keep a marker there because we're going to keep going back to it. But Psalm 23 and verse 4, and we're talking about the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 4, New King James. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Have you ever been in the valley of the shadow of death? I'm, a lot of us. If you've lived very long, if you're over 10 years old, you probably have. You've probably faced something, right? Yeah. You've been through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice it says, I walk through it. It doesn't say, I take up residence there and I've got to spend the rest of my life in the valley. No. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't, you know, pitch a tent there and make that your camp. He says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what do they do? They comfort me. They comfort me. And I love, he says, I will fear no evil. Those are important words for the times that we live in because there's more evil surrounding us than we've ever seen in our lifetime. Has anyone else caught on to that? And then it's also the, the, these, uh, these things here, it says rod and staff. Well, I've read in some places that the rod and the staff are actually the same stick. The shepherd would use the rod end of the, of the stick to beat up the predator that would come after the sheep. And so you see uh, David, you know, when he's facing Goliath, he says, hey, I took, when, when a lion and a bear came to, to take the sheep, I beat him with a club. I clubbed it to death. And I'm like, that is some dedication for some sheep right there. If you're going to take on a stinking bear with a stick, good Lord. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I, I, there's probably some wonderful, beautiful sheep in this world, the actual animals, but I'm not taking on a bear with a stick for his but sheep. You kidding me? That's crazy. But the real shepherd will do something like that. And so what did he do? He, he, he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so the rod that was used to, to defend and to, to beat a predator and to fight them off. And then the staff is the hooked end. You ever see like when we do the Christmas play with the little kids? They're all up there in bathrobes holding a, a, a shepherd's staff and it looks like a candy cane. Well, what does that do? That's for whenever a sheep starts to wander off, the shepherd can kind of hook him and bring him back in. And how many of us kind of start to wander off sometimes? But the rod is there to protect you from the predator. And sometimes we need the staff to kind of Hook us back in and say, get over here. What are you doing? You don't need, you've got no business going over there. Get back here. And his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And, you know, I, I, just, I love that about him. I, I want to I pivot here for a second. And we could probably, most of us, quote this verse. But put it, uh, go ahead and turn there. Second Timothy 1.7. You can turn back. Uh, you keep a place, a marker in your Bible there. But Second Timothy 1.7. Who knows what this says before it's on the screen? I'm just, no, this isn't to embarrass you. This is just to find out. Okay. 2 Timothy 1.7. Very important Bible verse. And so, we're talking about the good shepherd will comfort us. And this is one of the most comforting verses in the Bible. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the King James, it says, For God hath not given us 
a spirit of fear. Who knows that? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love that. Because, you know, there's such a thing as being startled or momentarily afraid. And that You know, that happens. Someone tries to spook you or, you know, something happens and oh, you get startled. You know, whatever. That, that happens to everybody. But there's a whole other thing called a spirit of fear. And that is an ugly, nasty thing. Julius kind of talked about that some this morning. But a spirit of fear is a, it's a powerful thing. And if you begin to see and to sense fear creeping into your life, you need to do something about it. If you begin to, to sense, you know, if it's something as silly as you're, you're afraid to, to sleep in the dark so you, you leave a light on, and, and it's not because, you know, you're going to trip when you go to the bathroom, you're just afraid, all right? Challenge yourself and turn the light off tonight. Do not let fear start to get a hold in your life because you have no business letting a spirit of fear control you. And that's what fear does. Fear controls Fear lies. I've heard the acronym that fear is false evidence appearing real. And that's so many times what it is. False evidence appearing real. Fear will make a fool out of you. Who in here, I mean, listen, we've done some foolish things just because we were really afraid. And in a moment of fear and in a not a very sound state of mind, we've done something really, really foolish. Another thing that fear will do is fear will make you selfish. Fear will make good people do selfish things. And, you know, we're kind of referring back to the, you know, the pandemic of the pandemic, excuse me, uh, so often tonight. But one thing that I remember early on is when, what happened when they cleared the shelves of everything. Why was that? They were selfish and they had fear gripping them. That's selfishness. When, you know, you buy, you get, you know, 40 pallets of toilet paper and don't leave any for the rest of the town. Why? That's selfish. That's stupid. And, and that's what fear will do to you. And, and, you know, you, you, you take everything and don't think about anybody else selfish. And that's exactly what fear will do to you. And eventually, fear can be a killer in your life. Who knows that? That fear can absolutely, uh, it has devastating effects on your health. We know that. It can kill relationships. It can kill so many different things that God wants for your life. But you need to know this. Many people don't maybe know this, but eventually fear becomes sin. It's no sin to be afraid. No, again, I said sometimes we get startled or have something happen. But when you begin to let fear dominate your life, and clearly the Word of God is telling you something like this. The Word of God is saying one thing, but your fears are saying another. When you begin to believe your fear more than you believe the Word of God, that's a sin. It is. You know, how many times in the Bible did God say, Do not be afraid. Fear not. You're commanded. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Yeah, but this is really scary. I get that. We've all faced scary and difficult things, but we're all responsible to do the same thing, to cling to the Good Shepherd. When He's with me, I will fear no evil. You're right beside me. You may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, no doubt about it, but 
You don't have to fear any evil because the shepherd is right there with you. Isn't it great that he didn't just tell you, hey, go down to that valley. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you on the other side. No, he will walk right through it with us all the way to the other end of this thing. And whatever it is that we may be facing tonight, the good shepherd will walk straight through it with you. He will lead you through it, clearing out the path ahead of you to get you to the other side of this entire thing. That's a really good shepherd. That's incredible. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. I don't need anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. And I also always love to point out in this verse, it doesn't only say that He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He did give us something. A spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? A sound mind. Who knows that that's a really nice gift to have. I'm going to tell you, you want a sound mind. There's plenty of crazy people out there. Who knows that? They're everywhere, man. We're surrounded by crazy people. But the children of God don't have to be the crazy people because we have been given the gift of a sound mind. Amen. I love having a sound mind. And then the third thing we're going to say tonight is this regarding the good shepherd, okay? Number three is he emboldens us. He emboldens us. Do you need to know how to spell that or are we good? Because I can, huh? We good? Okay, okay. So, uh, wait, did you say you did need me to spell that? Okay. <laughs> E-M, oh, there it is. All right, spell that. I spell stuff for kids so much all the time. How do you spell pursuit, Dad? And so, you know, I'm always spelling stuff for kids. But anyway, he emboldens us. And so, Psalm 23 and verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. Amen. Psalm 23 and verse 5. And this is a whole level of boldness right here that we need to know. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right in the presence of the enemy, the Lord, He will just lay out a whole table like, we're not afraid of you. We are so confident. We are so not afraid of you. We'll just have dinner right in the middle of all of you guys. That is, that's boldness right there, man. He says He will prepare a feast for us right there in the presence, excuse me, of our enemies. Isn't that great news of our enemies? And that is a whole level of boldness. You try to picture that in your mind, man. I try to picture some of these things in my mind that you may have enemies on every side of you, but you are so not afraid of them. You are so secure. You are so confident and bold because the Lord is right beside you that you could sit down right in the middle of all those enemies and have a meal with them staring at you wondering, well, why why isn't he afraid of us? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've got everything that I need right there. I don't need anything else. And so, I want you to see something in Psalm 31. Flip over a couple pages. Psalm 31. Amen. So, the enemy wants nothing more than for you to think that you are less than. And that you're a loser. And that you don't belong at the table. 
But God Almighty has you sitting right there at His table. And maybe there's some times in life when you've been rejected and people didn't give you a seat at the table, right? But that's okay. I don't need that table because I am sitting at the King's table. Amen? Right in the presence of my enemy. I don't need your table. I don't need you. I am at the King's table. And so this whole verse, um, we're getting ready to read Psalm 31 verse 20, but I love all of this. And any time that we enter into the presence of God, He's laying out that table for us where the enemy can't touch you. Psalm 31 and verse 20. And I love this. It says, You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You, you shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. And I love this because, and I've, I've preached on this a lot, but God's presence is the shelter. His presence is the fortress because I love studying Bible verses about God being our refuge, our fortress, our strong tower, our place of safety, you know, any of these different uh, phrases, especially that the Psalms use. But it always says, it talks about us being in the shelter. And, you know, I was just thinking, you know, one day, like, man, well, I, I love that, but, you know, what exactly does that mean? Well, it tells us right here that the shelter is being in the presence of God. What's so secure about it? The enemy is not allowed into the presence of God. Who knows that? Who knows that? The enemy is not allowed into the presence of God. And I'll show you a verse about that in just a second. But I remember when I was little, we watched this movie called The Little Rascals. Anybody remember that? Now there's the old version like from a really long time ago. (laughs) And then in the mid-90s, there was an incredible movie that came out. Just, it was fire. It was a a cinematic masterpiece. Actually, it wasn't really that good. (laughs) Anyway, but one thing I do remember about the movie... The boys had this club, right? They had this fort, and there was no girls allowed. And, you know, that, that's kind of mean. But, uh, but, but listen, hear me out on this. We have a fort, right? And the enemy, the devil, he's not allowed in our fort. He can't come in. When I was a little kid, my dad helped uh, Pastor Josh and I. We built a fort out in the woods, and we had we had I mean so many trees. I can't even describe millions of trees, but we had these giant walnut trees that were just huge. And so we built this fort within the walnut trees, and we would just go out in the fort all day long. But here's the thing: it was our fort. We decided who got to come in, and who had to stay out because we were in charge of the fort. And when it comes to the fortress, which is the presence of God, he decides who comes in and who doesn't get to come in, and the devil's not allowed in the fort. Amen? And so why would you not want to have the presence of God around you at all times? We are responsible for doing things that welcome the presence of God into our life. Listening to the right music, reading the Bible, having a a prayer, walking in love with other people. Don't think that you reside in the fortress when you're mean to everybody, because you don't. You're not allowed in. Did I say that? Oh, So, what I'm saying is this. Do things that are conducive 
to allowing the presence of God to be in your life. And then you won't be all the time, man, the devil's after me, the devil's after me, help, help, help. No, you've, you've, you're in the presence of God. You're going to be okay. He's not allowed in the presence of God. Look at Psalm 9 and verse 3. Psalm 9 and verse 3. We're almost done, my friends. Psalm 9 and verse 3. Are we learning anything tonight? Amen. Absolutely love Psalm 23. But let's look at Psalm 9 and verse 3 here. And I'm going to read this one in the New King James. It says, When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. They shall fall and perish at your presence. Presence. I can imagine us all hanging out in the shelter and the enemy tries to just charge right in and he has to fall right down in the presence of God. Have you ever seen a bird fly into a window? Isn't that hilarious? Oh, no, I mean, sorry. No, that's sad. It's sad. It breaks my heart and it crushes my soul when I see that happen. But, uh, but you've seen a bird. I mean, it has no idea. It thinks it's getting to go right into the house or something and then boom, he just boom. Falls right down. He never saw it coming. Never saw it coming. And on so many times I picture that's what the devil's doing. He thinks he's getting ready to dive bomb right in and boom, he flies right. He didn't see it coming. He flies right in and hits that wall and he perishes at the presence of God because he can't get in. The Lord is so good. We can have boldness. We can be emboldened. We can have courage when the Lord is our shepherd. I want to show you one last thing. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go to one last spot. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Amen. The Lord is good. Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 14 through 16. And we need to cultivate the presence of God in our lives. If there's things that would uh, hinder the presence of God from, you know, operating in our life, then we need to check that. We need to look at that. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to look starting at verse 14. And this is one of the great things about Jesus right here. Verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Do you guys have some belief about Jesus? Yeah? Hold firmly (laughs) to that belief (laughs) about Jesus. Look at verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So don't think that you serve a Savior that just can't relate to you. He can. He faced every test that you face. Look at verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And the key thing that I want to pick up out of verse 16 there is that it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. 
And so many times, you know, we see ourselves as, well, I just want to, you know, come begging and pleading and crawling on my hands and knees and I don't, and, and yeah, no duh, you do not deserve it. We get that, but because of what Jesus did, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. And so what I'm trying to say tonight is this, is that the good shepherd will embolden you. I don't want my kids. Maybe, you know, every parent's different. I don't want my kids to cower and beg and please, Father, may I have a moment of your time. May I enter in and speak to you. No, some people want their kids to feel that way. I don't want my kids to feel that way. I want them to be able to come to me as their father and be confident that they can talk to me. That they can ask for things. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. That they can come to the Father boldly. I don't need them cowering and crawling and, and you know, tearing their clothes and throwing ashes in the air and I'm so unworthy. You're my son. You're the part of the family. Get up, man. Quit acting like that. Stop that. You have every right as a member of this family to come to the Father when you need Him. And as a member of the family of God, you're not an outsider. You're not a second-class citizen. You're not, you know, none of that. Listen, you are a child of God. The Lord is your shepherd. You can go boldly to your dad. You can go boldly to the throne of grace and receive His mercy to get His grace when you need it the absolute most. And so, regarding the Lord being our shepherd, one wonderful thing that He'll do for us is He will embolden us. He will embolden us to stand up to enemies. He will embolden us that we can come directly in to His presence and receive the help and the grace and the favor that we need. Isn't God good to us? The Lord is our shepherd. Amen? We've got everything that we need right there. And so I just want to encourage us with that. We may be doing some more studying in the 23rd Psalm over the coming weeks. Just once I get into it, I have a hard time getting out of it. So, But I, I absolutely love this. And the more that you begin to know the Lord as your shepherd, when you begin to really get that level of trust and uh, and and you know that desire to be in his presence oh my goodness it changes everything for us amen all right like can we stand up together tonight praise god amen it's been a really uh, good Sunday for us this morning and and I believe that uh tonight we've had a good time in the presence of god amen well, we're going to take a few minutes here tonight. If uh, if you're here and you need prayer, you know, maybe maybe you feel like you are going through something right now. Of course, we want to pray for you. We want to stand in agreement with you. But if not, you can just take a minute right now in the presence of the Good Shepherd and talk to Him right where you're at. And just enjoy being in the green grass and the still waters. Amen. Can I have my prayer team come on up tonight? Amen. And we're going to have uh, Brother Tom play a little music for us. Pastor Josh is next door, uh, leading FPU, so we don't have him over here with us tonight. But I'll have Brother Tom uh, play some music for us. And if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to be in agreement with you and, and see God work in your life. But if not, let's just take a minute to be in the presence of the Good Shepherd. Amen.
go ahead and close things out tonight. Has anybody been blessed with the Word of God this evening? <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and, uh, and get things closed out here. I want to remind you men that uh, this Saturday is the men's meeting, so you can be here at 9 a.m. Saturday. And then, of course, we've got Easter coming right up. So be praying. Ask the Lord, the Good Shepherd, to lead you as to who you could invite to come and hear the gospel that day because you have our word. We will not hold back. We will present the gospel of Jesus Christ that day. You get them in the door. We'll preach, and God will take care of the rest. Amen. He'll work on their hearts. And so uh, just absolutely don't miss out on this opportunity. Amen. Let's go ahead and we are going to pray. Okay, and then the April devotionals are at the info booth. And we'll get those posted online this week too if you follow along that way. Amen. Alright, let's pray. And then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession together. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, we can boldly say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I shall not want. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to uh, to know you more and more in that way. And we know that you would lead us beside the still waters, Lord, the green pastures. You are so good to us. And Lord, we ask that you use us this week to be the light of the world. And Jesus, give us that boldness, even in the presence of our enemies, Lord, to not shrink back, but to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I lift up our Easter service in just a couple of weeks, Lord. Right now, we claim salvations that day, Lord, and people receiving you and knowing you as their Savior. And Lord, we just want to bring you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that you are due. And we thank you, Lord, for resurrecting <laughs> and for bringing that resurrection life into us. We love you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's say our Barstow faith confession, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will see you this weekend and Wednesday. Amen.